Man, I tell you what I do miss, seeing three big guys right there. I bet, I bet that mama right there misses them too right now. Oh, she sent them away. Okay. Oh, you're funny. <laughs> Children, love your mother. That's what we'll be talking about today. In John 19, 27, then he said to the disciples, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own household. This is a poignant uh, moment for a mother as we look at this. Her son hanging and dying on a cross, and he looks down at her for one last interaction. And while struggling to breathe, he lifts himself up, And takes in some air and says, woman, behold your son. He had her attention. I believe he had everyone's attention that was in the vicinity there. He slumped back down, though, but then he regained his energy. And he pulled himself up for one more breath. And he said to a disciple, or the disciple, behold your mother. You see, Jesus right there had just honored his mother. She had raised him right. He was making sure that her living needs will be taken care of after he is dead. He is the oldest son in the family, and it is his responsibility to take care of his mother. And so he knowing that he is going to be dead, has passed that on to the Apostle John. So today we'll be talking about Mary. As I was preparing for this lesson, uh, I was looking for a mom to honor with this particular lesson. I looked at, in Matthew, in the first chapter, I looked at, Uh, the various ladies of the genealogy there. And as I looked at them, what I see are tenacious women, women trying to do good for their children, even though their past may have been somewhat checkered. They cared for their children. They cared for their children's children. In fact, they're in the genealogy of Christ. They cared for us. Mary, too, is in that genealogy. And she, too, shared a checkered past. When Mary was only a teenager, she was confronted with the challenge to completely submit to God's will. Gabriel gave her the angelic message that she was to carry the Christ. And I believe that when she got the word that she was going to carry the Christ, she was stunned. The key phrase here, as Gabriel is talking to her, I am the Lord's servant. Or the key phrase that she said, I am the Lord's servant. 
I don't believe that Mary ever wavered from her complete submission to God's will. We'll turn to Luke one twenty six. Or if you're electronically looking in the Bible, push some things on your phone and move to that place. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee, or city in Galilee, named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this may be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. As Mary was standing there, my question would be, was she nervous? Was she nervous? And I believe the answer there is certainly. Was she unsure of her own abilities to be the mother of God? My answer there is, who wouldn't be? Was she anxious about the prophecy that part of her future would include pain? Of course. Mary was a little like the mother who sets up late at night, far past her bedtime, waiting for the date of their child to be over. She was like the father who said uh, the silent, heartfelt prayer as he watched his child drive away from the house, taking all the raw instincts into the streets of great danger. Mary was like any parent in this room who wanted only the best, only the most protection for a child, being fully aware that life happens and not all of life is pleasant. But Mary was unlike a lot of parents in the world today. Mary was the first of all completely committed parents to God. She was so committed to God she had no room for commitment to anything else, and that made her a mother worth imitating. As we look at this, we'll look at three points and then some additional uh, fun things about Mary. Our first point would be that a mother called by God does not have to be perfect. And moms out there, I want you to take this to heart. A mother called by God does not have to be perfect. Despite the fact that she was the mother of Jesus, she was not perfect. If you look at Luke 44, you, what you'll see is a tale of Mary and Joseph leaving Jerusalem and forgetting Jesus. Forgetting Jesus. Now, what I remember is 
One time at about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, Krista walking into the building here while I was gabbing with Mike Crowley and asked me where Matthew was. Also remember getting up quickly, running to my car and going to school to pick him up an hour late. Luke 2.44, thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day and then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. John 2, verse 4. In this story, we have Mary and her sons at a wedding feast. The wine has run out. It's a 911 emergency for the, the father of the bride who is putting on the soiree. And she goes to Jesus and she says, she tells him to make wine. Jesus' response to her is, woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. Now, what's interesting about that, even though he replies this way, what he does at that particular point is go, go, he goes on and makes some of the best wine ever. He honored his mother. But here, she was advancing the timeline. Uh, she was outing him as Messiah, as the Son of God, as the one who could do miracles. And then in Mark 3.21, Jesus was at this time in front of many people. It had not been that long when he had quieted the scribes and the Pharisees. And the scribes and the Pharisees had become angry at him and were looking for him so that they could make plans to kill him. When his family had heard about this, they went to take charge of him for they said he is out of his mind. In our terms, they're thinking, he's crazy. He has gone nuts, and here she is, the one who has been told who he is, and she knows what he can do. Speaking to all moms right now, you made mistakes in the past. You'll certainly make a mistake or two today, and you'll make some mistakes tomorrow. But through it all, God will love you, work with you, and accept you. Through it all, your task of mothering or of grandmothering will be accomplished. That leads us to our second point. No mom has to be the Proverbs 31 woman. Uh, as we were preparing for the lesson, Brother Steve Myers called me and asked uh, if I was going to be preaching on the Proverbs 31 woman this week. 
Well, I'm not preaching on it, but I am preaching about it. So, yes, it's included in here today. First of all, in this particular poem, there are 22 lines, and each of them begins with the successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It's an acrostic poem that speaks of an imaginary woman. She never sleeps and always works. Wait a minute, wait a minute. That's the reality part of that particular poem. So that's the part, it's reality, but in this poem, she manages a fleet of ships, she runs a farm, she manages a staff, she sews like a fashion expert, she cooks, cleans, and homeschools all her children. She has a feast waiting on her husband when he arrives home from his much less demanding job, and she needs no carpool whatsoever. She puts on her super mom cape and flies her children to their next appointment. If we were to see in English what we can't see in Hebrew, perhaps it would be a poem that said, A is for the apple pie she bakes, B is for the babies she loves, C is for the cleaning of the house, right on down to Z is for the zoo that she manages in the backyard. What I believe is that any woman who tries to emulate the woman of Proverbs 31 will understand the first line of that poem, which says, a wife like this, who can find? Coming up on our third point. A mother called by God never relinquishes the title. You see, Mary didn't stoically and passively stand by at the foot of the cross as if she were made out of stained glass or a statuary that was in a church somewhere. I believe she crumpled at the cross. She fell, fell down to the depths there, moaning and wailing and begging the God of heaven to stop her hell on earth. If you ever have been around a mother who has lost their child, it is a bad day in the neighborhood. As a chaplain, I've heard uh, the wailing of a mom too many times. It is distinct. It will cause your heart to melt. It is possibly one of the worst moments on this earth. What we know is that the cross cut deeply into Mary's heart and that despite her pain, Mary was there. She was there for her son in his dying moments. She was a mother from the beginning and a mother at the end. You see, a mother called by God is always a mother. What I want you to know today is that you will find mothers like that in the halls of children's hospitals. Mothers that are grieving, mothers that are hurting, mothers that are praying to God in earnest for their children. You will also find them in funeral homes as they are making the arrangements for the last time for something that their children, uh, their child will be at. 
Those same mothers, though, have been in the counselor's office at the schools. The same mothers have spent nights or night after night praying for their children. Mothers never relinquish the title even if the child is rebellious, even if the child is harsh, or even if the child is cruel. Her heart will not allow it, not when she has been called by God. You see, when a woman becomes a mother, there is an instant realization that the day will almost certainly come when pain might dominate the picture. The crosses are different for every family, but frankly, the crosses usually come. They may come in the form of a divorce or a disease or death. They may be harsh words and unacceptable actions by that child. And there may be tough love and impossible nights that she has to go through. Through it all, though, mothers called by God never relinquish the title. Never. There's nothing like a mother's love. Let's go back to Mary for just a moment. I want to teach us three things you probably didn't know about Mary that are in the Bible. Jack knows them already, probably. He's, he's my Bible go-to guy. Number one, Mary was the only person to be present with Jesus at his birth and at his earthly death. You see, Joseph stayed by Mary's side through that uncertain time, that is his birth. They both witnessed his first breath on this earth. And then the shepherds came to join them and see what the angels told them uh, about. But as we have just seen in John 19, Mary was also present with Jesus as he took his last breath. It says in John 19, 25, standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. I've always been, it's like, wasn't there another name at that time? It was Mary, Mary, and Mary that were there. You see, Mary comforted Jesus as he entered the world and also as he left it to return to the Father. She devoted herself to being there for her son through birth, death, and beyond. Our second thing is that Mary knew Old Testament prophecy about the coming Messiah. This young girl showed unequal bravery when she accepted the angel's message saying, may it be as you have said, there in Luke 138, but did she understand what she was agreeing to? I believe she did. As a Jew, as a Jew she had been learning about biblical prophecy her entire life. And her song that she sings at one point in Matthew bears a striking, a striking resemblance to Hannah's famous prayer in 1 Samuel 2, 1 through 10. In Luke 
1.54, she says, He has helped his servant Israel. And remember to be merciful, for he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. So I believe Mary understood the magnitude of her decision to say yes. And when God chose her, her knowledge of God's promise to send a savior for his people, for his people showed through her worship. Mary very probably had, this is our third point, Mary very probably had four other sons after Jesus. One of the things that is noteworthy is that Jesus faced constant opposition during his ministry on earth. During one such time, and we mentioned this previously, a group of skeptics mentioned Jesus' family members. In other words, what they were saying is that his, even his family, even his family thinks he's crazy. They scoffed and they said, he's just a carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, and his sisters live right here among us. And they were deeply offended and refused to believe him. They scoffed and they did not believe. And they knew that Jesus had human brothers and sisters who were not God's children. See, from this passage, we discover Jesus most likely had four brothers and more than one sister, though his sisters here are not named. We don't know how many sisters he had, but these unbelievers used this information against him. Just a moment. Can you imagine life at Mary's house? Mary is the mother of Jesus. You see, she had a child with a true Messiah complex, perfect in every way. That had to be annoying, to having Jesus as your child. I'm right again, Mom. Okay. Although he would have not been that way because he would have honored her. But can you imagine a house full of children Continually being children, all those children in one Messiah under one roof had to be a crazy place to be. No wonder she is considered to be a saint. Mary had a chance to see God's entire plan played out. She suffered through the crucifixion. She celebrated the resurrection and she was a part of the small group that witnessed the powerful presentation of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. What a gift for, from God to Mary. To live long enough for parenting to make sense. Some parents live long enough to see God's plan for their children. Some see God working in the lives of their grandchildren. Some surely only see God's plan from the halls of heaven. Today, we praise God for the mother of Christ. When she was called upon God, she answered 
in a resounding yes. Today, God calls us. God's plan for a Savior did not just include Mary and the nation of Israel, it included the entire world. God wants us all to be saved from the sin of this world. Everyone. God wants no one left behind. However, he lets us make the choice. If you'll pray with me. Lord God, we thank you for Mary. A teenager who took on the task of bearing the Messiah, of taking on the role of a parent of the Messiah. Also, a person who took on all of the emotions that were encountered with being a relative of the Messiah. Lord, we thank you for her showing us how to endure, how to remain faithful, and how to remain true. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. In our Bibles, Romans 3.23 tells us, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What that, what that means is that if we have not accepted Jesus, if we have not come to know Jesus, we are lost. Romans 5.8 says that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Even when in opposition to him, Christ was still willing to be sacrificed for us. When Jesus was still here in Matthew 16, 15, the question that Jesus asked his disciples was, who do you think I am? And then Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, it is upon this confession, it is upon this, that I am going to found my church. Will you confess him as the son of God today? In Acts 2.38, the question is asked, what can we do to be saved? Uh, the, the Jews had just been convicted of killing Messiah Jesus. And in their hearts, they were grieving because of that loss and it would seem impossible to come to know God if you had just killed God. And so they asked Peter. And Peter says, repent and be baptized and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That means that if you want to be saved, you have to confess Jesus, but you also have to make the commitment to change your life. And don't forget about the, the other part there, the part about the water. You see, baptized doesn't mean to be sprinkled. It doesn't mean to be anointed with a drop of water on your forehead. 
The term baptized means full immersion, going under the water. Romans 6 tells us that what this symbolizes is our death, that we die with Jesus at the cross so that we too can be resurrected into newness of life. Today, as we stand here, if by chance you have not been baptized, we have a baptistry here, and we are ready, and we are willing to go to the water with you so you can find that salvation with Jesus Christ. But I also want you to know that maybe you have died to sin, but then you walked away from Jesus. The message today is that he wants you back. In 1 John 1, 9, it says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Today, as we are here on Mother's Day, I don't know of a mother that wouldn't want their child to be in righteousness. So the lesson is yours, and if you want to make that choice now, come as we stand and sing.